0: Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to MyTake Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to Stitcher.com forward slash MyTake, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter MyTake, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of Radio and Stitcher MTR live starts right now this coverage is live and uncensored so if you have any small children present you may want to have them leave the room What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 142 for Thursday, June 14th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was brought to you by Pond5. Get your sample music, pictures, and other stuff at Pond5.com. I met those guys at Blog World. They provided the intro music for this week. Um, Amongst other things we're going to be talking about, Blog World is going to be one of them. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. The MTR feedback line is 347-815-0687. 815 mtr Man, it feels good to be back. Nice one week of, of rest from the rigors of show prep, etc., etc., etc. I actually missed you guys. I missed... Logging in Thursday and giving you guys 3 hours or 90 minutes, depending on the mood, of ridiculousness, debauchery, and uncensored views on wrestling, video games, mixed martial arts, and of course, movies. We got some stuff that's going to be changing in the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to get into that now. We got to get some housekeeping out of the way. As always, you can listen to MTR on Stitcher, stitcher.com forward slash mytake. Enter the MyTake Take promo code in the box. You'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of Stitcher and My Take Radio. Also, besides that, we got a couple of announcements. First off, My Take Radio will be debuting on TuneIn Radio probably within the next week or so. So be on the lookout for that. If you use the Tune Radio app on your mobile device, just look for My Take Radio there and you'll be able to listen to that as well using your mobile app. You can also do it with Stitcher, and hopefully once Xbox Music launches, My Take Radio will be debuting on Xbox Live as well. Figured I'd share that with you guys, nice little nugget of information. So when there is a dashboard update for Xbox and Zune becomes Xbox Music, you'll be eligible to listen to MTR that way, right from your Xbox. Simple as that. One thing I did want to say regarding the Xbox Music thing that's... Um, That's actually still in process, and like I said, we got to wait for the fall dashboard update before that happens. So once I get all the full details, you guys will be able, like I said, to check out MTR on your Xbox. It won't be MTR live, though, but at least it will be MTR in some shape or form. So be on the lookout for that as well. Next thing I wanted to discuss, we're going to start doing a couple of different things. I was going to start one of them this week, which was using a service called Tout, which is going to allow me to do video tweets. So this is actually a, a twofold reason why I'm doing this. First off, I'm doing it because I start I got to start getting comfortable doing video. Uh, something happened when we were at Blog World where I had to get on camera, and I was a jumbled bag of shit. So unfortunately, we're going to start doing stuff like that. I was going to use it today, but I lost track of time with show prep, but we'll be doing some stuff with Tout next week. And um, also, we're going to do some stuff with Raw Porter. And a couple of other sites as well, including You Say Too, which we started using this week. Um, you Say Too is just another uh, social media network that came out that pretty much collects all the. It's almost like taking your circles from Google Plus, but using them for interests. So we started posting some stuff there, and we got some really great feedback so far. So all of that stuff came out of Blog World. We got some new content coming to the site this weekend. Slick is working on a review for Lollipop Chainsaw and a ton of other stuff as well. Of course, Quark and Blade delivering another exceptional buried this week. I wanted to take one moment to acknowledge both of those guys, for they are now high school graduates going into college. So we shall see if college will change Quark and Blade for the better or for the worse. Be on the lookout for that. Um, Another surprise, Blade and Quark will actually be in New York next week. So you never know. There may be... Um, An NTR impromptu broadcast of some sort with um, myself, Blade, and Quark. Simple as that. There may actually be an on-air live buried. Maybe we'll do it for Friday Night SmackDown. We'll watch it together and just bury it. So we'll see how that goes. That's something that we may do next week. Also, another thing I did want to mention, for those of you that have been um, using the Stitcher app There are going to be some changes. You'll be eligible, well, not eligible. You'll be able to find MTR in a couple of other categories because we made some headway in terms of being placed in a few different places. Uh, We met with uh, one of the reps from Stitcher, Rachel, who is super awesome, and we are going to be doing some really cool stuff with them in the near future. T-shirts, you know the deal. I kind of put the T-shirts on hold just because there's too much stuff going on with the show right now in terms of getting designs out. Um, there are designs ready, I just haven't got around to putting them up, but if you want to pick up an MTR shirt, there are some available, just use the link on mytakeradio.com. Our Amazon Marketplace, people are actually starting to use it more often, picking up some games and stuff. Uh, As always, any of the games, movies, gadgets, and gear that we review, you can pick up from our Amazon Marketplace. Same reliability as always from Amazon, but you'll help MTR in the process. As usual, click the link on the site for that. And uh, I think that's all the housekeeping. I had a couple of things that I thought I needed to go over, but I'm a complete jumbled mess. But whatever, let's get this shit moving. We're going to talk a ton of wrestling because a lot of stuff happened. We had TNA pay-per-view, Impact, Raw. Also, we got some other stuff going on in the wrestling business I want to talk about. I want to talk about the last UFC event that went down, which was last Friday, Um, an E3 fallout involving Aisha Tyler, which I really want to get into because this kind of reinforces what I had mentioned about video game journalism a while back. I'm going to probably need Slick's help in the movie segment because there's a couple of things I want to go over with him, especially because he's a fan of some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. And, of course, as usual, we're going to have some music to take us out from pulling punches. So let's get the ball rolling with some MMA. I guess we could throw the Ultimate Fighter music on again just because I didn't create new MMA music. But hopefully that will change next week. I'm a little bit behind. Let's get the ball rolling. So last Friday, we had the UFC on FX event. Main event was the flyweight title eliminator with Demetrius Johnson and uh, Ian McCall, uh, a.k.a. Uncle Creepy, greatest nickname in mixed martial arts. Um, also on that card, Josh Neer, Mike Pyle, Scott Jorgensen, Eddie Wineland, and Eric Silva and Charlie Brenneman. That was all on the main card. As usual, I'm not going to jump around and, and talk about all the, all the fights on the card, but I will go into... Uh, One fight that I was shocked it went the way it went only because I'm a fan of the guy's work. And that's Leonard Garcia and Matt Grease. I expected Garcia to go in there, stand and trade, and really take command of the octagon. Turns out that was not the case. Matt Grease, um, incredibly, incredibly aggressive. He was doing, um, in the first round, he was just taking it to Leonard Garcia from full guard. Uh, Second round um same thing just gar- um leonard garcia's offense just shut down by greece and the third round m- much of the same greece ended up taking that fight by unanimous decision i like leonard garcia i was bummed that the fight went the way it went but what can you do scott jorgensen eddie the what a fucking brawl but scott jorgensen every time he goes in there he goes in there to do work super pumped for this fight from start to finish just I- extreme displays of violence with a beautiful knockout from Eddie Wineland. It was ridiculous. Right cross. Jorgensen was out. Um, a couple of punctuation punches on the ground to put things uh, to 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 solidify the victory. Eddie Wineland, KO. Beautiful work on his part. Mike Pyle, Josh Neer. I expected Josh Neer to go in there and not run through Pyle, but definitely be the guy that put in work. The guy has you know a 33 and 10 record going in a little bit more experience but that was not the case a short right hook from mike Pyle knocked josh near the fuck out simple as that it, it was lights out for josh near mike Pyle beautiful knockout demetrius johnson ian mccall was probably just as good of a fight as their previous one demetrius johnson looked really good in the first round uncle creepy though definitely hit his stride in the second started finding his range working the double jab, couple of chopping kicks. It was really, really good. He actually threw Mighty Mouse to the ground to end the second round. Third round, a little bit of a lockup, but, you know, Mighty Mouse got his shit together and secured himself the victory via unanimous decision. And, of course, he goes on to meet Joe Benavides for the flyweight title. Very, very solid, solid night of fights from the UFC on FX. And, of course, as always, free MMA is never a bad deal. Now, in some MMA news, which we got a couple of things to discuss. We got some $40,000 bonuses that got handed out. Fight of the night went to Eddie Wineland, Scott Jorgensen. Submission of the night went to Eric Silva. And knockout of the night, well-deserved, went to Mike Pyle. The next UFC event on Fox started coming together. Uh, The main event is going to be Shogun taking on Brandon Vera. I'm sure Slick is super pumped. Um, that's going to headline the show and it will be replacing the fight between brian stan and hector lombard because stan had to withdraw due to an injury that's going to be taking place august 4th and that will be live on fox in the strike force side of things the rockhold kennedy event started coming together luke rockhold will be defending his middleweight title against tim kennedy and nate marquardt will be taking on tyrone woodley for the vacant welterweight title hodger gracie will be taking on keith jardine and lorenz larkin will be meeting robbie lawler so those are going to be some great fights on showtime and on showtime extreme will be the prelims and ryan couture son of randy the natural couture will be taking on joe duarte jason high will also be on that card taking on nate moore in some other strike force news mma junkie reported that strike force released uh paul semtex daily um it seems that the split was amicable only because uh, Paul Daly hasn't been getting being hasn't been able to fight frequently for Strike Force. Um, the problem with Paul Daly, it's, you know, after that punch in the face to Josh Koscheck, he kind of just just fucked himself in the world of Zufa. and you know, I it was a matter of time before Strike Force just either br- released him due to losing fights or they just would release him amicably and i'm glad it went the way it went i think paul daly is still a tremendous asset to the sport maybe he'll go to bellator he he may do good there i think that with the amount of talent he has his career's just not over i think he just needs to hit his stride pick up some victories and even though dana white says you'll never see him in the ufc never say never um kind of bum though only because daily fits in the ufc he's a marketable guy he's aggressive he's talented he's a fucking lunatic he likes to go in there stand and trade give people exciting fights but we all know that that koscheck punch fucked him up completely moving on to some other ufc news there's been a lot of injuries plaguing the ufc as of late um injuries across the board jose aldo had to withdraw from his fight for ufc 149 like i said brian stan was injured it's just been a clusterfuck across the board. UFC 148 right now shapes up like this. Um, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen for the middleweight belt. Forrest Griffin and Tito. Patrick Cote and Kung Lee. And Stun Gun Kim taking on Damian Maya. UFC 149 now will be shaping up like this. The main event, Uriah Faber, Henan Barrow for the interim bantamweight title. Czech Congo. Antonio Nogueira. Uh, C.R. the Killer taking on Chris Clemens and Tim Bocek replacing an injured Michael Bisping will be taking on Hector Lombard. Also on the on the on the FX card, Roland DeLorme, who was on the Fight Insight radio show earlier this earlier this evening with Gary and Spilled Bag, was originally scheduled to take on Bibiano Fernandez. That fight completely went south. And I'll go into that a little bit later in the segment. I was really pumped for that. Bibiano Fernandez. fighter from dream super exciting to watch i watched him fight for new year's eve i was i was pumped to see him in the ufc sad to see it go the way it went but there's a big story to that which i'll go into in a few minutes on the women's mma front it seems dana White's stance is softening a bit he um made some comments that were picked up by mma junkie which i wanted to share with you guys when he was asked about the concept of women in the ufc he stated the following My thing with the female fighting is that I love Ronda Rousey. She's as tough and as nasty as it comes. I love Ronda, but I think Ronda's one of those girls that's up there. You have a lot of girls who compete in the sport that aren't on her level. It's not about having women's fights. It's about having good women in a division, which I can understand. When asked about building a women's division being similar to building a flyweight division, Dana White said the following, I think after you've seen mccall and johnson fight and you know benavidez you know who the top three fighters in the world are then there's a whole list of guys under them if you had a whole division there's a lot you could do but we don't have that in women's divisions yet i can understand what he's talking about but on the same token i can i can look at it like this you got ronda rousey misha tate cyborg gina carano if she decides to come back you got all of those uh, Zoila Frosto, you got a ton of women fighting in Invicta, which is another um, organization. Not only that, but you can go out there and recruit talent. A lot of the UFC roster is filled with guys from the Ultimate Fighter that didn't that people didn't even know. They became household names due to the Ultimate Fighter. Why can we not do the same with women's mixed martial arts? It's really a no-brainer. There are tons of talent out there. You just have to make the stars. It's, it's as easy as that. Gina Carano, Cyborg, Rousey, Tate. you got four women that you can start building a division with. And then you start bringing other. Marluz Kunin, uh, Sarah Kaufman, um, Michelle Gutierrez, uh, Felice Herrig. I can go down a list of, of talented female fighters that would be great in a, in a UFC women's division. It's just a matter of building the division gradually and starting to just test the waters with a couple of fights. Honestly, I would like to see say Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg on on a UFC pay-per-view just to test the waters. Simple as that. You can still have the fight in Strike Force and call it a Strike Force special attraction and have it right on a UFC pay-per-view just to see how the audience would react. I think honestly it would go over very well and you can just just fuck around a little bit and see how it works. I think Dana White he, he does have a point that there's not enough talent out there. But like I said, you have to go out there and look for it because it does exist. MMAfighting.com shed some light on the Bibiano Fernandez story. Um, Bibiano posted the following on Facebook, which, of course, they excerpted and I'm going to share with you guys. I'd like to make per- make it perfectly clear the news concerning my involvement with the UFC. It was announced that I, Bibiano Fernandez, have been contracted to fight for the organization at UFC 149 to take place in the city of calgary on the twenty first of july i would like to make it clear that i am not a ufc athlete as i did not sign a contract with the ufc organization negotiations between the ufc and myself did take place however we could not resolve the issues on the table and as a result we did not come to an agreement the recent reports that have been circulating in the media are false contrary to what is being said i am not a ufc athlete i'm a family man before anything else and my profession As an athlete in this sport provides me with the ability and the necessary means to provide for my family. I did not find the terms set before me by the UFC beneficial to my family and as a result, an agreement could not be reached and no contract was signed. It should be noted that the UFC is the largest MMA organization in the world. However, my personal and professional obligations have brought me to to the decision that I will not be a part of the UFC organization at this time. The day that an agreement is reached and the terms are set that are set forth are beneficial for both parties involved, I will have the most pleasure and satisfaction to fight for the organization. Last but not least, I would like to thank God and all my fans and hope they understand my decision. Now, obviously, this was damage control for for multiple reasons. But besides that, um, a lot of sources are saying, especially the. A lot of guys on Twitter, a couple of MMA sites are reporting that Fernandez received a more lucrative offer from 1FC, but he hasn't signed that deal either. So it's very, very interesting to see where he goes from here. Honestly, I think uh, Bibiano Fernandez, tremendous upside coming into the U.S. market, fighting in the UFC. um, It's a no-brainer. But in terms of making more money and becoming a headliner for an organization, a face for an organization... Maybe one FC may be the move for him. Who knows at this point? But if I hear anything else, of course, I'll report it on the fan page or on the website or on our next live broadcast. In some other news, I got to congratulate Tito Ortiz. Dana White announced on Tuesday that Tito Ortiz will be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. White said that the induction will take place at July's UFC Fan Expo. Ortiz will become the ninth UFC Hall of Famer after Mark Coleman... Uh, Randy Couture, Hoist Gracie, Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, Dan Severn, Ken Shamrock, and of course, Charles Mask Lewis. So congratulations to Tito Ortiz. I think he he's deserved it. The guy's been a staple in the UFC, one of the guys that pretty much built the foundation for the sport of mixed martial arts with the UFC. His fights with Chuck Liddell, legendary. His beef with Ken Shamrock, legendary. The guy's had an awesome career, and it's going to be a great exclamation point for him to go out fight Forrest, hopefully win, and and just cement his legacy with a win going into the Hall of Fame. So, on behalf of MTR, and I'm a huge Tito fan, congrats. Last bit of MMA news, Dana White um, allegedly, according to Dave Meltzer, told Kevin Iole of Yahoo, of Yahoo News that the next season of The Ultimate Fighter will go back to being taped. Thank God. White also noted that if the next season doesn't see improvement in ratings that FX has promised to move the show in 2013 to Tuesday or Wednesday. Filming for the next season is scheduled to start in three weeks and will be debuting in September. Now, I while I did like the live component for the fights, I just felt that the build-up leading up to those fights just wasn't good. And editing and, of course, uh, pre taped had a lot to do with that. I think Tough Brazil using the old formula worked. But you also had two coaches that didn't like each other, guys that went in there to beat the fuck out of each other. It worked out well for some reason. The live component, in theory, sounded awesome. In execution, ugh, I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel great about it. Next up, we're going to go into some wrestling. And there's a couple of things in there in the wrestling segment I want to go over. And a couple of things regarding some TNA stuff I want to discuss in detail. So let's not waste any more time. Booker, take us away.
1: We want the gold sucker. Hogan, Hogan we're coming for you, nigga. It's time. It's time. It's time. Time.
0: let's talk some wrestling this week as always mtr's wrestling segment is brought to you by wwe shop zone enter wwe and head over to the order section and enter wwe save 10 which is actually a code that's valid until june 30th to save a little bit of money courtesy of mtr again wwe save 10 at wwe shop.com valid until june 30th make sure to check that out As always, you can also click on the banner on mytakeradio.com. You can save some money that way from WWE Shop Zone. First, we're going to open up a little bit with TNA stuff. Slammiversary happened this weekend and this past weekend, and I didn't want to really go too much into detail for TNA for a couple of reasons, but I will say that they're starting to step their game up. Certain things I'm really starting to like, a lot of a lot of great, 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 great fucking wrestling on display. First match, right off the bat, on fire, Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, X Division title match. Austin Aries has been on a roll lately, fantastic, fantastic feuds, great wrestling, just an all-around complete package with Austin Aries and the X Division, his match against Samoa Joe definitely four-star classic in my book there were great submissions high-flying moves not only that but excuse me very very impressed that um samoa joe got caught in the brain buster by austin aries samoa joe outweighed austin aries they're saying by at least 100 pounds and it was just amazing to see him drop him with the brain buster fantastic match also we got to see the return of hernandez who took on Kid Cash. I was actually very impressed with this match. Um, Hernandez was in good shape since being off of television for so long. Uh, finished the match with a top rope splash. couple of things about this match that I was kind of confused about. Kid Cash, we haven't seen him on TV in a while. I think he's a great guy to keep in the X Division. He, he's a great gatekeeper, a good veteran. He has a hard-hitting style. Why he's not used more, I don't understand. Hernandez was on a roll as Supermex, definitely a little sloppy during his tenure in TNA. He's had his high points and his low points, but frankly, Hernandez has the makings of a guy that you can groom to be true main event status. You can groom him to be a face for your organization. Not only that, but you can connect with the Latino audience. Don't get me wrong, his Spanish is complete dog shit. I think ESL students speak better English than he does Spanish, but that's a whole other point in and of itself. Honestly, Hernandez, tremendous upside. I think you should just build the company around him because guys like Matt Morgan, a lot of these guys that are, that are fly by night, they're, they're great for the organization. But Hernandez, you built this guy from the bottom up, from his days with LAX to SuperMex Mex to uh, Mexican America. The guy has been a staple for your organization. And I think it's high time you started cashing in the value of him as an athlete. Next, we had this tag team match with fucking Devon and Garrett Bischoff and Robbie E. Fuck that match. I'm not even going to talk about it. Our uh, number one contenders match, Jeff Hardy, Mr. Anderson, Van Dam. Again, great match with great talent. Mr. Anderson takes the victory. Excuse me. Damn, I'm drinking this monster energy and it's making me burp. And I'm trying not to burp on air because that's fucking gross. And you guys don't tune in for that shit. Anyway, Mr. Anderson wins the match in a very, very competitive match competitive match with rob van dam and jeff hardy there were a ton of awesome spots there were a lot of people that continue to say that rob van dam is being underutilized in tna i agree 100 percent he should definitely be on tv more he still has a lot to give the organization and you can even do a best of seven series with a guy like jeff hardy and create some excellent matches why they don't do it i don't know next up we had christian coming christian Crimson coming out talking about his, um, you know, undefeated streak and how nobody was going to beat him. And of course, James Storm made his return and proceeded to put the kibosh on that streak. I am fucking happy as hell that this shit is over only because I like Crimson. He has a great look, but dude, nobody gives a fuck about your streak. Uh, Honestly, from a storyline standpoint, I would honestly like to see... I would have liked to see a guy like Amazing Red come in and set his brother straight and kill the streak. Um, you know, it's a story that I don't know would have made sense, but we know that TNA doesn't really make sense when they do a lot of shit, so it is what it is. Dixie Carter came out, announced the uh TNA Hall of Fame induction, which turns out to be Sting. And um, you know, it, it was all it was awesome. I, I have to admit it was awesome. Great video package for Sting going into the TNA Hall of Fame. Now, a lot of people that I know that watch wrestling and they tune into TNA, they're like, you know, guys like AJ Styles are about those fucking guys. But AJ Styles is still young. Yeah, you could put him in the Hall of Fame and it'd be kind of cool, but he's not one of the older guys that helped pave the way. Honestly, when Sting signed with TNA, TNA got the Spike TV deal because Spike TV was looking at an organization to have a face, to have a name that would help them mainstream. And I have to admit, it was Sting. Sting, re- Sting really helped get that over and he he definitely was was a driving force but you can also put in guys like jerry lynn jerry lynn was a staple for the x division an awesome athlete a guy that was there from day one he deserves to be in there jeff jarrett should have been in there his you know jerry jarrett should have been in there those are guys that have that have helped build tna and they've helped create the storied history that this organization has when you go back and you look at some of the weekly pay-per-views there were so many great talents that appeared on those pay-per-views that just nobody mentioned you know guys like triple uh, x with low-key uh christopher daniels and primetime elix skipper fantastic group of wrestlers they had great matches with america's most wanted i actually have some dvds with those matches that there are a lot of guys that can go in there Am I am I pissed off that Sting went in? No. Could you have put in somebody else besides him, or somebody with more clout than Sting that had a a bigger influence on the company? Yes. But Sting is your first inductee into the TNA Hall of Fame, and that's probably going to be happening at Bound for Glory. The TNA Knockouts title was defended by Gail Kim against Miss Tessmacher. If it's one thing I've learned with TNA, they usually like to give the titles to hometown wrestlers. Of course, Miss Tessmacher is a native of Texas where this pay-per-view took place. So you can pretty much figure out how that went. Of course, Miss Tessmacher getting the belt in a match that was rather sloppy in my opinion. I, I think Miss Tessmacher has uh, a great look. She's easy on the eyes. Uh, she has a working relationship with Hooters. I don't know if TNA wants to do anything with them, with her being their champion, but that's one thing to look at. But her wrestling, fucking garbage still. I would have rather watched Velvet Sky fucking win the belt at this point because her wrestling is better. I think she has tremendous, tremendous potential. But to have her beat Gail Kim just to have the hometown crowd pop, I don't know. Because the crowd seemed kind of dead. They didn't even give a shit. Bully Ray and Joseph Park. I was very curious about this match only because Abyss said that he was going to be there and he did appear in a very well-calculated bait-and-switch where Joseph Park crawled under the ring, and then Abyss came out and killed uh, Bully Ray dead. But it was it was good. It was really, really a good match. It had nice, hardcore elements to it. Uh, Bully Ray, a tremendous heel. He's come such a long way. And it was a good match. It really was. And something that blew my fucking mind, even though I read it on Twitter, I didn't believe it, Hulk Hogan came out. He has WWE's Christian show up at the TNA pay-per-view uh, to talk about his favorite TNA moment and, um, and you know, to help with, you know, get the, the debut of Sting over for his Hall of Fame induction. It was probably one of the most surreal things I've seen in the last three or four years. Only because Christian is an active wrestler for the WWE, shows up on a TNA pay-per-view, and everybody's cool with it. Now, it turns out that the reason that this went over so well was because, you know, TNA let Ric Flair go into the Hall of Fame with the Four Horsemen. So in exchange, they asked if they can borrow Christian for the pay-per-view. Now, the funny thing about this was that Dixie Carter had the opportunity to make an announcement the Thursday before the pay-per-view that Christian was going to be there. She decided not to do that because she wanted to leverage social media to surprise the crowd. Which I, you know, it was all right, I guess. I mean, it was kind of cool, but I think that to build that type of a buzz would have been better, in my opinion, as opposed to just making the whole big appearance and it not being news till later on. That's that's one thing that I was kind of, I was kind of split about actually. The TNA Tag Team Title Match, Daniels, Kazarian, Styles, and Angle was ridiculous ridiculous these four guys are impressive together styles kazarian and daniels we know those guys could wrestle but throw kurt angle in the mix german suplexes dispensed all over the place just like pharmacists give kurt angle painkillers it was crazy shit from start to finish i love the match uh the dynamic was good throwing kurt angle in there was awesome um i'm curious though because wasn't kurt angle like fucking injured like three weeks ago and he's in there getting into all these crazy matches. I mean, is this his way of staying on television without working as hard? I don't know what the deal is, but if he's going to deliver matches like that, fuck it. Stay there. Last but not least, Robert Roode and and Sting for the TNA World title. Great match from start to finish. I was glad Roode kept the belt. Not, not because I didn't want Sting to have the belt, because whatever, but it, who gives a shit. But I like the fact that from a storyline standpoint, it helped... Maintained that Robert Rude was a complete piece of shit and a scumbag. So it was was really, really good from a storyline standpoint. And, you know, it, it helped put Sting over. Like, he almost got Rude, but the only reason Rude got away was because of shenanigans. So, solid, solid card from start to finish, which is a rarity for me. But I enjoyed it. What can I say? Now, on the raw side of things... Um... What can I say? Raw was very paint by numbers. McMahon came out, cut himself a nice little promo. Sheamus came out, blah, blah, blockity, blah, blah, blockity, blah. Uh, Johnny Ace, you're going to get fired. Couple of things I'm going to pluck out of here. Sheamus and Tensai was a great match. It It was one of the matches that made Tensai look like he belonged. That Smash Mouth style that they're trying to push, that Japanese wrestling style he uses... Worked very well with Sheamus. I enjoyed it immensely. It was badass. Now, the only thing I kind of felt was lacking was that Sheamus and Tensai. You could have actually built a feud with those guys just just on the strength of them being brawlers. And then the the post match beatdown of Sakamoto. I really don't understand where they're going with it. I don't. I don't think if it was just because of frustration. Or they didn't really elaborate on it too much. They're like, oh, you know, this guy's his worshiper. I don't know why he's beating him up. Blah, blah, blah. We get a backstage segment with our Truth where he gets fucking killed dead by the big show. And there's a reason for that, which I'll go into later on in the segment. We had a mixed tag match, which was shit. Um, we had some stuff with CM Punk and AJ Lee and Brian and Kane. The only funny thing out of there was uh, hashtag goatface trending. Um, if you have no idea what that's about, do yourselves a favor, check, check out Quark and Blades Buried, and you can see the video clip for yourself to see what they're talking about. Um, definitely one of the high points of the evening. Next up, we had a number one contenders match because Alberto Del Rio has a fucking concussion. He got hit by a burrito and you guys know the deal. Anyway, exactly what I wanted is exactly how it went with Dolph Ziggler getting the number one contendership slot. He fucking deserves it. The guy's a great worker, knows how to bump well, can deliver great promos. And frankly, the great Kali and Jack Swagger with the fucking belt would have been boring as shit. And Christian right now needs to push the IC title so we can we can leave it there. We had another beautiful squash match from Ryback, whose m- intro music we played earlier. Uh, William Fillmore and Rutherford P.S. Hayes was... Um, Yeah, exactly what you would expect. Uh, The Ryback push continues in extremely violent fashion. Um, He starts chanting that he wants to be fed three. So obviously next week we'll probably see him take on three jobbers. And um, you guys know the deal. We had some backstage shenanigans with Vince McMahon as usual. And um, some of the other matches for, for the Raw were... I'm going to skip over Kofi Kingston and the Big Show because that match was a fucking slaughter. Sin Cara and Kurt Hawkins was okay. Kurt um, Hawkins just looked outclassed in that match, so he didn't really gel well with Sin Cara, so it wasn't one of the better matches. Heath Slater took on the returning Vader. That's why I played Vader's music in the intro and why he is on the Facebook fan page this week. Big Van Vader made his return and killed Heath Slater dead with a Vader bomb. Now, a lot of people are complaining about it, but from a storyline perspective, it's nice that they're acknowledging, you know, some previous main eventers that have been on, w- on WWE Raw. Um, it's a nice way to lead up to the, thousand, to the 1000th episode. Take it for what it's worth. And besides, anytime Heath Slater gets his ass whooped, uh, you know, an angel gets its wings. So I could watch that shit every week. CM Punk and AJ took on Brian and Kane. Uh, nice little bit of shenanigans from AJ Lee making out with Kane, which was ridiculous. CM Punk won the belt. It was just some creepy, creepy shit. Um, on the Vince McMahon side of things, he, you know, besides dancing with Brodus Clay's chicks, shitting on Daniel Bryan, impersonating JR, it was, it was just a complete clusterfuck to close out Raw with the Big Show accidentally knocking out Vince McMahon, stipulation being Vince is going to be at the pay-per-view, Big Show loses, John Laurinaitis gets fired. Now, one thing I got to talk about before I go into Impact, the, the whole making fun of Jim Ross thing, Vince McMahon, he should know better. I mean... He prides himself on the WWE's anti-bullying campaign, and here you are coming in as a quote-unquote face against a heel John Laurinaitis, and you're just ma- blatantly making fun of a guy who has a legitimate ailment in Bell's palsy. It- it's fucked up. I, I, You know, it's very juvenile, and somebody, somebody should have said something. It- it's been on record that JR did not approve that particular segment, because usually that stuff gets discussed uh j r had no idea I believe from what I've read that Vince was gonna do that, and I just found it to be in poor taste, making fun of the guy. It's ridiculous it really is ridiculous that he was gonna do that. It's like making fun of making fun of a guy's legitimate illness is it, it's just fucking tasteless, dude, executive or not, I don't give a shit vince McMahon personally to to borrow from Quark and Blade, I'm burying him for doing that because that's just fucking terrible, dude. Jim Ross is a class act. That guy's delivered countless, 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 countless hours of excellent wrestling commentary, hindered, hindered, mind you, by the fact that his face is paralyzed. Of the fact that as an announcer with a half-paralyzed face can deliver better storytelling than guys that have been in that industry for th- for decades. Is insane. Jim Ross, it, put it like, if I got into a fight in the street, I'd want, I'd want Jim Ross to do my commentary. Him and Joey Styles, or him and Paul Heyman, just because Jim Ross is the voice of this business. It's not Michael Cole. It's not fucking Booker T. It wasn't Taz. It was Jim Ross. Before him, Gordon Soley. Simple as that. The fact that you would even stoop so low as to make a mockery of his ailment is just. It, like I said, it's classless, so Vince, you know, you're getting buried, so fuck you very much. TNA Impact this week, actually a very awesome opener on Ultimate X Match, Austin Aries with Zima Ion and Chris Saban, looks like Saban may have legitimately hurt himself, um, which is something that always, always, always is bound to happen in these type of matches, but it was a great performance as usual from Austin Aries, dropping Zima Ion with the fucking Brain Buster. It was all good in my book. We also saw Devon and Hernandez wrestle for the TV title. Devon retained the belt. I do like the concept of that TV title being defended every week. Works for me. Also, they announced the Bound for Glory series, which, of course, is their point system tournament where the person with the most points will be meeting for a title opportunity. The way it works is as follows points are going to be determined by wins and losses. But how you win is very important as well, so don't discount that. If you get a submission victory, it's 10 points. Pinfall victories are 7, countouts are 5, DQs are 3 points. If it's a draw, either time limit, double countout, or double DQ, it's 2 points. And if you get disqualified in a match, you lose 10 points. Each wrestler is only going to wrestle each other once in the series. They're going to take place over the course of the next couple of weeks on impact, and um, and also during live events as well. The top point leaders will advance at that point to the No Surrender pay-per-view on September 9th, and that's going to be like a one-night playoff to see who gets the Bound for Glory world title match. So 12 men have been selected, and they're going to be participating in a gauntlet match first, and the winner of that match gets the ball rolling with 20 points. So AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy... Rob Van Dam was was involved, Bully Ray, Magnus, um, D'Angelo De Niro. D- there, there was, you know, you get Abyss in there, Robbie E, Daniels, Samoa Joe, Jan- and, and uh, James Storm. And the loser of the world title match tonight is going to be the 12th man. So what's going to happen is James Storm... Earned himself twenty points, and he's going to be taking on the loser. Well, the loser of tonight's match is going to be the twelfth man in the Bound for Glory series. Um, the concept is a little confusing. Don't get me wrong. I had to go. I had to really take a lot of notes to fucking get that shit down to explain it. But I think that this is a good way for you to keep an eye on wrestlers going into this for for main event purposes. It's an easier way to gauge where these guys stand in 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 the hierarchy of tna and um slick brought something to my attention and and how the fuck could i forget gorilla monsoon was also an awesome announcer so thank you slick for reminding me of that i haven't heard gorilla monsoon's voice in years i actually played a clip of him being killed by vader which is probably one of the more controversial things that went on back then but um you're right gorilla monsoon was an awesome commentator as well we had a non-title match, Miss Tessmacher, Madison Rain. I actually, 100% honest and not being facetious, got up and went to the bathroom. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, the TNA World title match, uh, Bobby Roode and Mr. Anderson. Bobby Roode secured the victory with the crossface. Mr. Anderson is now your 12th man in the Bound for Glory series. Also, next week is going to be the return of Open Fight Night which, and it's also going to be part of the Bound for Glory series. You also got the Gut Check Challenge, and um, they're saying that Austin Aries will have to make a decision as to whether he will give up his X Division title for a world title shot at Destination X. So super pumped for that. I really like where they're going with Austin Aries for that. Um, If he gives up the X Division title, seeing him in the main event would be awesome. I think Austin Aries can, can carry the company, Uh, Great mic work, great great wrestling. It's all in a complete package for that guy, so they should really get the most out of it. As I said, James Storm is your current leader in the Bound for Glory series with 20 points. So Impact had some high points and some low points, but it was entertaining. I think Les Hogan, definitely a step in the right direction. No Garrett Bischoff, no Eric Bischoff makes for a better program. Simple as that. Let's get into some other wrestling news. Uh, WWE.com put up an article about the evolution of the Raw set over the last couple of years, and they teased that we may be seeing a brand new Raw set debut for the 1000th episode. That's going to be happening July 23rd. Now, as I mentioned earlier, R-Truth got knocked out by the big show on Raw, and um, that set up the Kofi Kingston cage match. But one of the reasons that that happened also was possibly to to write R-Truth off television because it seems that he broke his foot during the WWE Spain tour. He either severely sprained – well, it was originally thought that he severely sprained it, but it turns out he broke his foot. So uh, the big show attacking him on Monday is probably going to write him off television for a little bit which is unfortunate. It almost feels like Kofi Kingston is cursed. Every guy he's in a tag team with either gets suspended or injured. So maybe you just need to push him as a solo competitor and either have him drop the titles to, su- to a legitimate tag team or something. Because putting Kofi with every random guy to hold onto the belts is just not going to work. It, it just seems like he's not destined to be a tag team champion at this point for whatever reason. A lot of rumors have been floating around that Vince McMahon is furious with Brock Lesnar for showing up at UFC 146. Some sources are saying that Lesnar used his UFC 146 appearance as part of the angle with WWE. Others are saying that since he does not have a non-exclusive contact, he was dipping his toes into the proverbial pool to see if he can get himself a fight in the UFC. Whatever the case may be, Vince McMahon is rumored to be extremely pissed. Um, as of right now, Triple H and Lesnar are rumored to meet at SummerSlam. Triple H is working hard to make sure that that match happens. And, um, most likely based on Vince being pissed with Brock Lesnar, Triple H will probably get the pinfall at this pay-per-view. Unless some crazy shit happens. But, Vince McMahon, pissed off. I I wanted to cite a source that you guys may or may not look at often, and that's WWE's corporate website which is corporate.wwe.com. If you guys haven't checked it out, you can always see a, a lot of little tidbits of information in there, which are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes not. One thing I noticed this week, well, earlier this week, was that John Laurinaitis's bio was removed from Corporate's Index of Executive Officers. As we all know, John Laurinaitis is WWE's Executive Vice President of Talent Relations, as he loves to remind us. As of right now, it seems that he is only going to be limited to being a TV performer. Even though his bio lists him as the president of talent relations, it's only from a character standpoint. As of right now, it seems Triple H, who now oversees talent relations and talent development, has been added to the website. But Wrestling Observer broke a couple of of news regarding that, which I wanted to share with you guys. Since John Laurinaitis has been on the road, Triple H has been doing a lot of the legit vice president of talent relations duties. As such, now, that's been made official, which we all know. Laurinaitis now works under Triple H, while Triple H brings in a couple of new guys. He brought this guy in uh, Canyon. It really looks like this guy's name is Canyon Seaman. C-E-M-E-N. It might be Cayman, but it looks like Canyon Seaman. So make make jokes about that as much as you'd like. Um, and Jane Gettys, according to what is being uh, this guy this guy Seaman yes his name is Seaman is running talent development and is working directly for Triple H. Uh, Jane Gettys is the vice president of talent relations and she's doing a lot of the work that John Laurinaitis used to do. Laurinaitis at this point is booking WWE live events, but he also is involved with talent payroll. So that kind of seems to be the direction they're going. Triple H is going to start overseeing a lot of these new talents, which to some degree I actually have no problem with. I feel that since Triple H is younger and he has a better understanding of the modern wrestling business, that he can go out there and bring in some decent guys. I mean, he brought it. He brought in Sin Cara, but what, which, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people say that it wasn't that good, but um, others say that Sin Cara has a tremendous upside. I think that the injuries and the... Um, Adapting to the WWE style have been a a hindrance for his character, but tremendously successful and sells a lot of merchandise. Triple H also worked on the Karma deal, which we know Karma had the miscarriage losing her baby, but she is training for a comeback and getting ready to make her way back into the WWE women's division, which again is another solid pickup on Triple H's part. I think that this is just a gradual progression into Triple H just being involved more on the corporate side, which is fine by me. I mean, it's cool. Triple H comes on TV, whatever, that's fine. But I think that his strengths are definitely gonna be behind the scenes working with talent because you know what? If it, it since he's not on TV, he doesn't worry about he doesn't have to worry about anybody taking his spot, which in turn means that nobody's gonna get buried by him on television. So since he's an executive, he has to work behind the scenes to make the company better. Which May may be better in the long run. Simple as that. A couple of months back, um, I talked about Sabu uh, being passed out during an event that he was involved in. Of course, our friends Blade and Quark referenced that as well in one of their buried articles. But it seems that uh, PW Torch reports that Sabu checked himself into rehab. A lot of friends are saying that the rehab is WWE sponsored. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but... It's great to see that Sabu is getting help. I think the guy still is a tremendous asset to any hardcore wrestling organization. The guy just puts his body on the line for our entertainment. And I'm glad that he's getting help. Because seriously, I don't want to read another Dead Wrestler article on a, on a wrestling website. It's just some sad shit. So glad to see that he is getting help. As I mentioned, Vader popped up on Raw, killed Heath Slater dead. He actually went on Twitter wanted to thank the fans, um, and he's, you know, very, very appreciative of the opportunity. It's crazy, though, because Vader is 58 years old, he recently lost about 60 pounds, and he's looking to make an in-ring comeback, which is insane. I honestly don't think a full-time WWE roster position would work for Vader, given his age and etc., etc., but he'd be a, a great veteran enforcer, for, you know, a general manager, he'd be a good bodyguard for an up-and-coming guy, he'd be a good promo guy for somebody else, I honestly think that since they signed his son, or his son is actively wrestling, that he'd make a good manager for his son, we don't really see a lot of tandem father-son manager duos in wrestling, I haven't seen one, I think, since Chavo and Chavo Classic, which was the last time that they had like a full-on character, uh, father son duo that was actively on the roster of course you could say cowboy bob and and randy but that's not full time that's not every week i i think vader would do good with something like that with his son or like i said in a bodyguard role I, I mean i'm happy for the dude the dude got a great pop the crowd was super into it which is nice we'll see i think if he loses another you know 40 or 50 pounds gets himself a little bit more uh a little bit more lean looking, I mean, don't get me wrong, Vader's always just been a, a massive human being, I'm not saying he needs to come in there chiseled out of fucking granite, but you know, he's, ha- he's had uh, knee surgery, hip surgery, so if he comes in a little lighter, who knows, I mean, it could probably work, I'm not saying he should be fucking main eventing Raw every week or involved in any crazy angles, but like I said, bodyguard, mouthpiece, he'd be good for that. Some talent was purged from WWE's developmental territory over the over these last couple of days. Eli Cottonwood asked for his release uh, so he can pursue a career outside of wrestling, which is fine because that guy was a fucking dullard. Uh, Jiro, who trained in in Taka Michinoku's Kai and Tai Dojo, was released. Uh, Benicio Salazar, who came over from Mexico where he wrestled as El Hijo del Medico Asesino, he left as well. And Sonny Elliott, who was a developmental talent from Australia, also left. So uh, some talent is definitely getting purged. Some people are saying that, you know, why haven't they cleared out televised roster members? And one of the reasons is that Linda Linda McMahon's political career has played a factor in guys not being fired because, you know, she's trying to run on a platform of creating jobs. And, you know, the company that she works for firing people isn't exactly creating jobs um slick made a valid point about vader taking less than 10 seconds to get up off the mat the guy's 58 years old with two knee surgeries i i gave him a little credit but you do have a point that shit won't fly if he wants to be on tv every week i gotta give credit where credit is due slick has a point last but not least a lot a lot of websites are reporting that that People within the WWE don't want to work with Ryback. There's a lot of concern because of his combination of inexperience, intensity, and sloppiness will get people injured. But Vince McMahon is a huge supporter and loves how the character is doing. The company, though, is not happy about the Goldberg chance. and when he is on SmackDown, the production team is under directive to edit them off TV when possible. Ryback is... He's just a the funny thing is that people are concerned about wrestling with Ryback because of the potential for injury. But you know what? Goldberg was the same way, just ask Bret Hart, whose career he fucking ended, you know, because he was real sloppy back then. Much like Goldberg, Ryback can be groomed into into a force. He can be groomed into a guy that can become a a character that people can cheer for with reckless abandon. The guy has a, a great look, scary as shit probably juice to the gills he's a psychopath it works but again you got to make sure that you're making this guy earn the fundamentals of wrestling earn them not 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 teach him he has to earn them because he's been in the company for a while now so in order to move up the card and earn opportunities he needs to earn them with his wrestling ethic not going out there and mindlessly killing people dead i mean in terms of making it look that way sure but legitimately wrestling, he has to make sure that he keeps safe. He he keeps working in a safe way. Cuz frankly all it takes is him dropping one guy the wrong way on his fucking head and the guy getting hurt or injured and that's it. Especially if it's one of these jobber guys that all it takes is one lawsuit and WWE will pay that shit out. But again, it's it's going to it's just crazy crazy shit. I, I like I said Ryback tremendous upside, but so was Goldberg. We see how that went. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap up the wrestling segment. I am actually I was gonna take a commercial break, but I realized that I don't have any commercials on the soundboard this week. So I guess I gotta keep it moving, don't I? Let's talk video games then. I I was going to open up with some stuff about E3, but you know what? 10,000 websites have fucking given every opinion possible on E3 about every game. Our very own Quark wrote a very good article about E3, and you guys can check that out. And most of the trailers are out there, so I'm not going to beat that up. But I do want to talk about something that came out of E3 that is just truly, truly, truly fucked up. And that involves... Um, entertainment personality Aisha Tyler. Some of you know her for her work at, at, from Archer, um, her podcasts, um, her love of, of fandom and um, her video game, her video game fandom. Uh, great, great ambassador for gaming. Anyway, so we all know E3 came and went. We can talk about which companies had the strongest showings, which games had the best trailers, blah blah blah, fucking blah. But let's be honest if you guys haven't figured out who had the best showing at e3 by this point you guys are fucking stupid but one thing that happened this week that just snowballed into this complete negative a ball of negative press involved Aisha Tyler she was there working for Ubisoft and um you know she was emceeing it and um it seems that the gaming community took issue with her being the MC for this event and there were comments on neo Gaff, youtube twitter and you know joystick and kotaku captured some of those comments so i want to share them with you because people really are complete pieces of shit she uh first comment was don't know who she is but i don't like her already next one god damn what an annoying fucking bitch Ubisoft actually announced some good games, and her and that fucktard backstage ruined every single goddamn presentation. This is verbatim, might I add. This is what happened when you let the Jews and liberals infect your industry to inject diversity and progress. Don't let them kill our games, people. That is a comment that was left. Next comment. Are people actually commending Aisha Tyler's job hosting the Ubisoft conference? She's just a step below Mr. Caffeine. Now, I'll be 100% honest with you guys, as I always am when, when I'm on air. I love the gaming community. I do. As much as I shit on certain aspects, I love the legitimate camaraderie between really, really great gaming websites and gaming journalists. I'm 100% on board with that. I also hate the elitist attitude of certain sites and certain journalists. I also hate the backhanded pandering that companies do with certain journalists. We all know that. But th- when, when you make friends in the gaming community, you make legitimate good friends with legitimate good people. And, and I can cite quite a few of them. Uh, you know, Danny from Royal Flush Magazine, class act. Andrew from the show Radio, class act. Stephen from Unveil pleasure to deal with Francois Chang from 62 Trades PR again Josh Velez the guys from Dual Shockers I can go I can run down a gamut of legitimately cool motherfuckers that I've met in the gaming industry I can also run down a complete list of douchebags that I've met in this industry but the fact still remains that for a for a group of people that play so many fucking games that don't contribute shit to this industry sometimes we're awfully fucking vocal when we don't need to be the fact this particular comment was the one that got my goat this is what happens when you let the jews and liberals infect your industry to inject diversity and progress okay so let me get this straight the jews the jews are at fault for minorities being involved in the gaming industry, the Jews, according to whoever wrote that comment, and the liberals, I didn't realize that the hot coffee mod or shooting aliens was part of a political agenda. I didn't realize that the Jews were sitting at temple during prayer contemplating ways for Bulletstorm to be a top selling game. I didn't realize that gaming was so centered around fucking race. This is the bullshit, the anonymity of the internet. I love being behind a microphone, and I'm very hesitant to show who I am. And it's not because I don't want people to know who I am, but I'm just comfortable in not being out there. But a lot of these keyboard warriors, these cum guzzling jizz bags that hide behind their keyboards and say such terrible shit that they wouldn't say to somebody's face are what ruin every industry gaming mma pro wrestling video games comic books it's assholes like this closet case fucktards that hide in their closet with their little keyboards in their mom's basements talking shit it's disgusting it really is it really is disgusting that somebody would would drag racism and political beliefs into e3 commentary it's embarrassing it's embarrassing. But this, this other one. I don't know who she is, but I don't like her already. Last time I checked, when you watch E3 coverage, you don't give a fuck about anybody that's talking. The number one motivator is show me the fucking games. Even when Reggie is out there, Reggie fils out there talking his shit. I, I, I'm like, yo, can somebody get this motherfucker off my screen so I can see some games? Thank you. I don't say it because I don't like him. I just say it because... My motivation is gaming. I want to see the trailers. I want to see hardware. I don't give a fuck about the guy cutting the promo to sell you the game. I give a fuck about the game itself. It's an, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that people in this community hide behind fucking race. It's the same shit I talked about in, in, in my gaming journalism article with Hip Hop Gamer. Same shit. If you're If you're sitting there... Talking shit about somebody that you know you wouldn't say to their face, you are a complete piece of shit. I'll be 100% honest. When we when we did Comic Con, I met the Dom Father, Carlos Ferro, and I'm and I'm gonna be honest, uh, 100%. Carlos Ferro is considered to be a nice dude in most circles, but I've also heard he's a douchebag. That's, that's, you know, that's something I've heard. I've also heard if, if you get in cool with him, he's a tight dude to know. Great. That's fantastic. I met the guy at an event that we worked with Unveil on. And, um, it, you know, the guy has a great voice talent. You know, he does Dom and Gears of War, Leonardo da Vinci, countless voices in countless games. The guy is, is a great asset to the industry. But at the end of the day, you are a voice actor, sir. You you probably you make a fuckload more money than than most people I know, myself included. And that's great. And I'm glad that you're an asset to this industry. But don't let the fact that you're so well known go to your fucking head. You know, this dude's in the club and he's popping bottles and yeah and blah 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 and i'm the fucking dom father and yo bring me some more bottles a lot of gray goose was flowing a lot of uh you know gaming journalism chicks hugging those nuts real tight oh yeah you know i'm the dom father blah 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 blah, blockity blah and it's like all right you know that's cool i'm glad you know you made it that's awesome so i met the guy and um you know he's like oh who are you i introduced myself and he's like Do you first question he asked, which kind of he goes, do you do you even play video games? And I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, motherfucker, my name is on the fucking sheet that's promoting you being here. My take radio is there with unveil on the same fucking one sheet. If you did your homework instead of trying to get over for being a voice talent, you'd know, hey, that's rich from my take radio. He's one of the guys on the flyer. Maybe I should you know find out who the fuck he is no, that's okay. You're just going to say, do I even play video games? So me being the eternal asshole that I am, I'm like, yeah, I play video games. Like, oh, have you played gears? I'm like, yeah, I've been playing gears. He's like, have you played as Dom? And I said, fuck that guy. I let him die. Every chance I get, I said it. He just gave me like a, like a blank look, like a look like you son of a bitch. But you know what? That's what happens. If you come out of pocket being a Uh, a a condescending, high-horse-riding piece of shit, it is my job to kick you off your fucking horse. That's not to say that I dislike the guy. I just feel that he thinks he's a lot bigger than he is. You have to remember where you came from. You're only famous because of people in the gaming community that love the sound of your fucking voice. That's it. I like the guy. I do. I think you know he's a great asset, but the way he presented himself, maybe he had too much to drink definitely not the move and then bumped into him at comic-con the next day slick is my witness for this along with 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 my wife andrea and i'm like hey man you know it was great seeing you last night blah 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 you know uh definitely would love to have you on the show work something now we could talk whatever you know just trying to, to to get past the night before you know where maybe like i said maybe he was drinking and you know maybe no 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 he just passed me on to the other guy that was there who was 10 times cooler from Epic, and that was it. Never, I gave him my card, whatever, never heard from the dude, we never communicated, nothing. Do I think he's an asshole? Partially. Only because alcohol was involved and it may have amplified whatever douchey qualities he had. But, again, for people not to know who Aisha Tyler is and automatically speak negatively of her is insanity it's insanity and i really hate that aspect of being involved in in the gaming industry and mma and comics and anything because these assholes are out there and sometimes you really got to get in their face you gotta cliffy b is another example he fucking played us when we started doing the show played us that's a guy i'd love to meet face to face so i can tell him hey you know i was that guy that you did this and this and this you know and yeah i didn't need you to come on to get where i am because he was he was a dickhead he was a dickhead about it and people tell me all the time yo cliff is is a cool dude he's real nice whatever yeah but behind the keyboard he was an asshole not knowing that this industry is incredibly small and i can run into him like any other person at any time same thing with aisha tyler anyway she read NeoGAF, she read a couple of things, and she took to her Facebook and wrote a very, very detailed response calling out all these people that spoke negatively of her. And I'm going to read it because it was, it was beautiful, masterful from start to finish. She opens up with the following. I've played since I was a little kid, since I begged my dad to, dr- to buy me a Nintendo LCD Donkey Kong Jr., since I blew through three weeks allowance playing Defender at the laundromat. Since you were a twinge in your left, in the left side of your daddy's underoos. I've been a gamer since I made friends with a girl in fifth grade just to get at her Atari. Wow, I remember those days. Since I missed a bus playing Galaga after school. Since I missed the start of Return of the Jedi playing Tempest in the theater lobby. You think you know, you don't know. I've been a gamer since before you could read. Since I aced midterms after staying up all night playing Evil Tetris. Since I became dorm champ at Leisure Suit Suit Larry. Since I double-wielded on Time Crisis at Fuddruckers. Damn, I I thought I was the only one. I was a voice in not one, not but two major video game titles. I hosted the Reach Beta tutorial. I was a Gears of War superfan panelist at Comic-Con. I hosted the Ubisoft Presser at E3 2012. I didn't do any of it for the money. For the for most, I got paid next to nothing, and for some, less than that. I did it because I love video games. Because I've dreamt since I was a kid of being in one of the games I loved. How many video games have you done voices for? How many cons have you repped at? Your buddy's Unreal tournament garage deathmatch doesn't count. I go to E3 each year because I love video games. Because new titles still get me high. Because I still love to I love getting swag. I love wearing my gamer pride on my sleeve. People ask me what console I play. Motherfucker, all of them. I get invited to E3 because real gamers know I'm a gamer. I don't do it for the money. I have plenty of money. I don't do it for the fame. Fuck fame. I do it because I love video games. I don't give out my gamer tag because I don't want a mess of noob jackholes lining up to assassinate me on Xbox Live. I don't give a shit what you think about my gamer score. I don't play to prove a point. I don't play to be the best. I play because I love it. I play... I've been playing my whole life. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't apologize for it. It's who I am to the core. I'm a gamer. To all the haters out there who claim I don't play. To the gaff dicks. GameSpot trolls. To every illiterate racist douchebag on Twitter. On YouTube, sorry. Flame away. Go nuts. Post every jackass comment your heart desires. I'll still be playing when your mom's kicked you out of your basement. And you have to sell your old ass console and get a real job. For now I say to you respectfully, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, GFYS, which is go fuck yourself. That couldn't have been a more masterful squashing of trolls that, that I've seen in a long time. And it's unfortunate that this, this this lady, you know, she does voices for she does voice work for Archer. She does a lot of stuff in the gaming community. And these motherfuckers genuinely sit there and shit on her i bet you they watch archer not knowing who does the voices and enjoy the shit out of the show not knowing that the lady that they just shit on is a voice on the show they love it's embarrassing it is fucking embarrassing and the worst part is that again these are the same guys that they'll see her at a comic-con or see her at e3 hey aisha can i get a photo hey aisha can i get your autograph never never knowing that, you know, with her never knowing that those might have been the guys that trolled her. It's embarrassing. Not me, man. I'm sorry. If if I know you and you say some shit and I bump into you in an event, I am calling you to fuck out. That's how it works. Hip-hop gamers said it himself. And, I've seen, and, you, know, and you know, I've seen him and I've discussed it with him face to face. He says it. He's like, yo, you talk shit, let's debate it. Face to face, on Skype, on your show, on my show, less debated. That's how you gotta be. You gotta you you either ignore trolls for them to shut up, or you show up at their fucking doorstep with a hatchet, a blowtorch, and some rope and set them straight. See, I like I like the second option. I like showing up at somebody's doorstep. Not to say I've done it before, because I have. I've showed up at people's desks at my job. And it's just just terrible things, but. Seriously, the anonymity of the Internet is good, but some people just hide behind it a bit too much. That's why I got to applaud, you know, people like Aisha Tyler, Bloodstained Lane, people that go out there and and they call out their detractors because that's what you got to do. Sometimes you got to establish that you you're not to be fucked with. Simple as that. And I commend her for it, regardless of how you feel about the Ubisoft presentation or what games were shown. I commend her for standing up and putting people in their place. Simple as that. Moving on into the other gaming news. EA Sports announced that they are now going to be doing UFC games from now on. Of course, that was unveiled at E3. And I'm a little bummed about it just because Dana White went on record shitting on EA for in turn shitting on mixed martial arts. And now of course EA wants a piece of the pie since TA, you know, since taking the rights away from THQ. So now they're going to crank out UFC roster updates and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Personally, I like supporting the sport and I'll probably play it. But if EA doesn't do some major shit every year, it's going to become one of those games where I buy it once and that's it. Simple as that. Also at E3, we got a little bit of a little bit of news regarding the Wii U. Of course, the tablet controller was showcased and the console is going to allow you to use two of those The controller is going to have a built-in rumble feature, built-in camera and microphone, headphone jack, volume control, and accelerometer. It will not have multi-touch, just in case you guys didn't know that. No multi-touch. Some of the games that are going to be showcased that will be dropping when the system drops are Pikmin 3, Super Mario Bros. Wii U, Batman Arkham City Armored Edition, which I will explain in a moment, Scribblenauts Unlimited, and a couple of other titles as well. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what the fuck is Arkham City Armored Edition? Anyway, superhero hype actually shed some light on this. Um, the game is going to include all the content from the original game, including all the DLC. But you're going to use something called Battle Armored Tech, which is, uh, which well, it's going to be a new game mode, excuse me. Battle Armored Tech mode, which is going to have new armored suits for Batman and Catwoman. These battle suits are going to allow players to build kinetic energy and when activated, the players enter bat mode to do more damage. In addition, the Wii U gamepad will give you instant access to the bat computer in the game, allowing gamers to use the touchscreen for all the various tasks in the game. You're going to be seeing that and the console probably this holiday season. I think in theory it's kind of cool, but let's go back to what I've said before. Who is going to go and buy Arkham City on the Wii U for armor mode and the bat computer? Who's going to do that after the game's been out and people have played it? Maybe some people might, but again, the game is going to be old at this point. But that's not the only thing that was announced as well. Nintendo confirmed that Mass Effect 3 will be released on the Wii U as well. Digital Spy reported that the game was unveiled during Nintendo's E3 press conference. So there you have it. You will be seeing Mass Effect on the Wii U. Also being seen on the Wii U will be Tekken Tag Tournament, Trine 2, Ninja Gaiden 3, and Aliens, Colonel Marines, which are all third-party games debuting on the console as well. So, again, the Batman thing, like the Wii U... I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with it. I just feel that, again, Nintendo's not doing things the right way. That There's been a lot of talk about them using the fucking friend codes again with this system, which is stupid. Um, I've heard that the system is only going to be able to do 720p instead of 1080. I've heard a lot of shit. I'm just going to take a more wait-and-see approach with it because if I continue to 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 research and dig deep without having concrete evidence, it's just going to piss me off. And, and make me shit on Nintendo more. Which I'm going to do now for this. According to IGN. There will not be an updated version of the 3DS. Much like there was of the DS. Shigeru Miyamoto told uh, IGN that Nintendo is working on the successor to the 3DS. Instead of an upgrade. That would include both analog sticks or other features. They will be doing a successor. He went on to say, I really feel that I'm satisfied with the 3DS hardware as it is. I feel it's the best for this generation. What we're thinking about right now is probably going to be for a future generation of handheld. Miyamoto added that a 3DS gyroscope could help accommodate the second circle pad to future 3DS games. So let me get this straight. You have like 14 versions of the uh, of the of the DS out there. You got the DS, you got the DS Lite, you got the DSi, you got the DSi XL. Now you have the 3DS. Then you go and you release the extra analog nubbin that you slide into the joystick. I mean that you slide into the controller, making the system a little bigger. Rather than make a new, uh, uh, an updated system with that particular piece included, no, 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 we're not going to do that, fuck you. We're going to create another new system to fuck you up. That's what they're going to do. They're going to create another console to fuck you up. Quark in the chat says that the new console probably won't be out for like five years. Okay, you know, that's fine. But think about this. You have to get that extra add-on, which is going to make your DS look cumbersome as shit, rather than Nintendo just say, hey, we're going to do a brand new 3DS, same price point, that's going to have the fucking analog stick added to it. Oh no, we're not going to do that because that would make sense. No, fuck you. We're gonna make you buy a new console. That's what it is. The Quark has a point. It's true, it may not be out for a couple of years, and that's fine. But think about the fact that you release this add-on that makes your system look completely fucking stupid. Cause when you slide that fucking analog condom onto your fucking 3DS, it it, it looks ridiculous. It looks it it looks fucking stupid. It makes the portability of the system look completely insane. It's like carrying the Galaxy Note cell phone. Same shit, just a big-ass cumbersome brick in your pocket. It's stupid. When you realized, oh, we're going to put out this analog controller, that's when you should have decided, you know what? We'll wait a year, we'll get the analog controller out there, and then we'll just throw out another 3DS that has both analog sticks on the system. Just because gamers deserve... To have a system that's easy to carry, and they don't have to worry about, oh, what do, what am I going to do if I lose this other part of the controller? Stupid. It's fucking stupid. I don't understand their rationale. These fucking close-minded motherfuckers at Nintendo. Friend codes? We're going to go with the fucking friend codes again? I want my screen name to be Yoshi's Vagina. Can you motherfuckers accommodate my ass? That's what I want to be. I want to be Princess Peach's lunchbox. Can I be that? Instead of 7876321.652. How about that? Can I just be that? Can I be Fireflower Dick? Can I be Piranha Plant Ass? Something. Anything. Can I be Luigi's Black Brother? Ugh. Quark went on to say that friend codes have been, uh, have officially been debunked. Look. Here's my, here's my issue with the friend codes. They, every, and it's true, because I'm looking at it, and they have been debunked, but you know what? Nintendo, they won't do, if they go, oh, we're not going to use the friend code, we're going to do some other shit. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do some other shit. Everybody that's commenting on this particular article with the fucking friend codes is, oh, they're not going to do them. Oh, they are going to do them. I'll put the link on the fan page so you guys can read some of the commentary. Look, any way you slice it, I just I just want to have a fucking gamer tag. Whatever you want to call it, PlayStation ID, anything. I don't care if you call it N- Nintendo tags or N tags. Whatever. Please, just get, make it simple. Make it fucking simple. Can, can you motherfuckers just do that, Nintendo? Please. Please. I want to be called M- Wario's Mustache. Can I just be called Wario's Mustache on the Wii U online system? Can I just be called Wario's Mustache? Ugh. I guess you can't use n tags. Thank you, Slick. Is it a black thing? N-Tags is a system at my job, Slick says. You know that N-Tags and you saying that, it. it I'm not even going to do it to myself. But seriously, can we just have user IDs? Even if they got to have like numbers at the end, I don't give a shit. Stop, stop with this shit, this friend code shit, this extra complicated shit. Why does Nintendo want to be the kid that wears complete a complete purple outfit to school? seriously that's what nintendo wants to be you know that one weirdo kid that wants to be different and dresses in one complete color right down to his shoelaces we all we've all seen that asshole we all we've all had one in our school that just wants to be completely different and he feels that by you know dyeing his hair pink and, and wearing a purse and fucking moon boots and his underwear outside of his pants that it's going to make him unique no it makes you an asshole That's what Nintendo is doing, making themselves the assholes of the gaming industry. For every piece of innovation you fucking guys do, you also are assholes. That's what you are. Yeah, we want you to buy three different Game Boys. Why? Because you fucking can. That's why. Mario? Yeah, we're going to put him in a costume that he stole off a Pomeranian that allows him to bark, and the bark can break walls. That's the stupid shit they do. Instead of saying, hey, let's do something different with Mario. No, you know, we're going to dress Mario as a fucking bumblebee because Shigeru Miyamoto was tripping on acid when he was sitting in his yard. That's the shit they do. Instead of like, hey, you know, how can we take the genre forward? No, let's not do that. Let's do more bullets with angry faces because that's what people want. Let's make green erogenous diet well no not even erogenous um let's make green hermaphrodite dinosaurs seriously like this is this is the kind of shit they do thinking that that's innovation innovation is moving a platform forward you know mario wearing kid Icarus's wings and flying around a fucking board not 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 moving the platform forward mario wearing a fucking kirby hat that turns his head into Kirby's mouth, definitely not the fucking move. No. Stop it. Don't do it. Don't get any ideas either, Nintendo, if, if you, if anybody listens to this shit. <laughs> don't get any fucking ideas. Don't think, oh, Mario's gonna put on a pink hat and he's gonna become Kirby and suck up bullet bills and spit them back out. Please, please don't do that. Please. Please don't. I'm begging you. Please, Please don't. But that's the problem. Nintendo is always going to be crippled by the fact that they they hold on to all the same shit. And you guys have heard me shit on them for countless episodes about it. Take things forward. The Wii U in theory looks great, you know, doing like Skylanders stuff and putting it on the tablet and seeing it on the screen. That's all that's all cool and fine and dandy. But you know what? If that tablet is gonna make that system four hundred dollars, and the shit only does seven twenty p. People are gonna be pissed. Oh, you know, nobody knows about HD. Nobody understands the benefits. Motherfucker, the Xbox three sixty and the PS three do ten eighty p. And the and the and the fucking Wii U is not even that powerful from what I'm hearing. What the hell? Let here's one. Here's a way to do it. How about? You guys go back in the lab, tell the guys from Foxconn that build all the iPhones to build this Wii U, and instead of just being complete bags of shit about it, you say, let's put in 1080p, let's put in HDMI, let's make sure that the system does Dolby, 5.1, DTS, HD sound, let's make sure that happens. I don't need you to put a fucking Blu-ray in the fucking system, but Christ, give me an HDMI port. Give me high definition that goes up to 1080p. Don't make shit so goddamn difficult. But that's what Nintendo does. They make shit hard. They make you hate them. I love Nintendo. I grew up with them. I own the NES, the Super Nintendo, the 64, the green screen Game Boy, the Game Boy Color. You name it, I had it. I I even owned the Wii. I played Wii Fit. I did all that shit. And I and I just got tired of it. You know, put out one good game every 3 years or every 6 months? No, 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 no. Fuck you. Oh, we're going to release a brand new handheld. You guys are shit dicks. What? Because you're you, you, because you see the Vita gaining steam, that's why you're going to release it? You fucking assholes, that's what you're going to do? <sighs> Fuck me and fuck Nintendo. I see that Slick is on the line. I'm sure he has uh, tons of knowledge to add to this equation. Slick, what's going on, brother?
1: What's
0: up? Dude, I am a surly bag of shit. I see that. Dude, dude, I don't don't understand. I don't understand fucking Nintendo. Let's dress Mario like a penguin. And it's going to be a brand new game. I got an idea. Why doesn't Mario put on Princess Peach's fucking skirt and float through the levels like she did in Mario 2? Maybe that's innovation. Ugh. Fuck them, man. I can go so many
1: places with that, but I'm just not going
0: to. What do you got, brother? Let's hear it.
1: Well, I was looking up the stats on the Wii U because I... I um do a lot of overtime I had to do. I'm pretty I entirely missed E3 so I haven't heard anything really yet but I'm looking up the stats on the Wii U. These of course are you know supposedly the source is Kotaku but it says that the Wii U is capable of 1080p and is supposed to have HDMI um, connectors.
0: Really? Good shit. Well wow. That can change. They can decide the, that, they're, that that
1: proprietary that, disc that that's not a Blu-ray. Of course not. That holds up to 25 gigs.
0: Well, that's because they don't want their games to be bootlegged. Okay. So, with that said, it has HDMI and it allegedly again because like you said, it's Kotaku and shit can change. 1080p, HDMI, proprietary disc. We got. Uh, a, a year-old Batman game that's launching, a Mario game, like I said, that'll probably put him in, in a Pikachu battle suit, and Pikmin. That, that's what we got. And then, you know, third-party shit that, whatever, everybody's gonna be playing. That is what we got, ladies and gentlemen. Ninja Gaiden 3, which everybody's played already. Tekken Tag Tournament 2, which, whatever, might 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 just be on the cusp of coming out. Aliens, Colonel Marines, and, you know, whatever other third-party titles they throw in there. You know, fucking Mario Cooking Fest or fucking Cooking Mama 8 or the Food Network Iron Chef game. Can you believe that shit was on the Wii? Iron Chef America. Which people were already played by that time. Thank you. Fucking, it's like, oh yeah, we got Pikmin. We got Pikmin, bitches. We got little, colorful slaves that build shit. I'm sure all of you are going to want to play it. Oh, yeah, let's play Ar- Batman Arkham City where he decides to put on Battletech armor and beat the fuck out of people. Oh, yeah, that's brand new. Really? Because I can look at the back computer on a touch screen. That's, that's your innovation. Th- this is the shit I'm talking about. I can't really say anything on Pikmin because people really do love that game. Dude, I-, I like Pikmin and that's cool, dude, but you, uh, unless- again, you've played one Pikmin. You've played them all. You know, unless the Pikmin combine to form a giant Pikmin that stomps through fucking Tokyo and spits fire and farts <laughs> pixie dust. I It's Pikmin. It's little colorful fucks. Who cares?
1: My thing is they seem to be dropping the ball again because there's no confirmed Mario game at once.
0: Nope, all they're saying is, oh, you know, you're getting Super Mario Brothers, Wii U. Is the shit coming out with the game? Yes or no? Quark says, I am ignorant. Says the guy that hates Nintendo. I'm ignorant. I'm the host, you fuck. I can be ignorant if I want to be. And that's real juvenile coming from me. I don't give a shit. Stop talking shit. Wait till you come down here. No, but seriously, dude. I, the, the the shit that annoys me more so is this whole 3DS situation. Yeah, I took a look at that, too, and I was like... Tell me that's not fucked up, dude, because you, you bought it.
1: But this new thing looks like something that Mad Cat's pulled out of ass, and this is an official Nintendo accessory. I'm like... This
0: is just a bad idea. Like what what the hell are you even gonna do with that stick? Dude, like what game's supposed to supposed to utilize that? Well, the analog stick that you slide in there was uh, originally gonna be used, I believe, with Resident Evil. If I remember correctly, that second analog, you know, the second analog controller that you slide into the three D S was supposed to be a first party accessory if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It's supposed to come bundled with a game. If I, hold on a minute. Let me, let me, re, let me look in the bat computer.
1: So my thing is just this. It's like, regardless of whether the 3DS came out with two analog sticks or not, it's like your dev kits allow developers to make games based upon the hardware that's there.
0: Yeah, see, the circle pad, they released it in Japan December uh, December 10th. It was supposed to co- co- be used with Monster Hunter Tri-G, Biohazard Revelations, which is Resident Evil Revelations, Metal Gear Solid, Snake Eater 3D, Ace Combat 3D, Cross Rumble, Dynasty Warriors Versus, and Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. The slide pad is, is supposed to run on a single AAA battery for use.
1: Oh, so I need another battery, too.
0: Yep. You see, you see you this
1: need, shit? I was, I was thinking it, and now I'm going to say it. You really should call it the
0: Nintendo 3DS Circle Jerk. Dude, it, it's it. I, I just posted the link in the chat. This is the shit I'm talking about. So rather than say, you know what, let's build a, a console that has this built-in, you know, that that works... That, that, you know, people can buy for the same price. Because, dude, at this point, what does it even matter? Think about it. You got two analog sticks on the fucking Vita already. And you assholes are late to the party. Put the fucking sticks in there. You know, move the, move the four buttons down. Put the analog, the second analog stick above. And that way you have analog D-pad and the buttons on the bottom. It'll be a little bigger, but... If you look in the picture that I posted in the chat, it's not terrible, dude. Like, re like rebuild the system so you don't have to add this stupid add-on that requires batteries. It's stupid. Why don't you just add a port so I can attach a blender to it? It'd
1: be one thing if it just if it was a battery that was going to add to the battery life
0: of. The 3DS, but this is just the power of the stupid thing itself. Thank you. And I even I'm gonna post a link for the Verge, so you can see how stupid it looks up close. Since you're since you're in the chat, take a look at this fucking photo of this stupid shit. It's like it's like it takes a system that you can easily put in your pocket. And turns it into you putting a fucking brick in your pocket.
1: It does significantly increase the size of the system.
0: Dude, it's, it's insane. It's fucking nuts, dude. It's nuts. It is fucking nuts. See, see why I get mad at them, dude? Everybody that listens to the show must be like, Rich is out of his fucking mind. Which is true. I am a lunatic, but... Again, these are legitimate gripes. Look you at that... can't even change games while the thing is in there. Look at that giant Nintendo dildo that they're fucking you with. Attach this controller to this 3DS and stick it up your ass for sexual enjoyment. Comes with a panty-sniffing game. Seriously. This is where it's going, dude. They're just they're just fucking the consumer at this point. You
1: know, when I eventually go to Japan, let me bring you back a painting
0: Fishing game. Bring well, me, me back go. one. I would love to review it. <laughs> <laughs> anything else? Anything else you need to add, my friend? No, I'm good for now. Oh, I'm definitely gonna need you for the movie segment, and you'll see why in a few minutes. All right. Peace. All right, ladies and gents, that was slick. Let's wrap up this video game segment so we can get into these movies. EA announced that they will be releasing a special edition of Medal of Honor Warfighter, which will only be available to military members. The Medal of Honor Warfighter Military Edition will include a limited edition of the game, as well as various in-game unlocks, and also include a Project Honor camouflage pattern. All money raised through this will go to the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, and other charities. In addition, the company is also selling various exclusive Medal of Honor items that will help those charities as well. To ensure that only military members can get these, they'll only be sold through GOVX. So if you are a member of the United States Armed Forces and you're a gamer, you can pick up Medal of Honor Warfighter, help whatever charitable organization you choose for the Armed Forces, and get a pretty kick-ass game too. So be on the lookout for that as well if you are in the Armed Forces. The Minecraft Xbox Live will be getting a patch, which is going to add a couple of new features. You're going to be getting autosave plus the ability to turn autosave off or set it to 15 minutes from set it from 15 minutes up to two hours. Uh, You're going to split sensitivity controls. You're going to add an interface, opacity slider, uh, gamer tag display on split screen, uh, changes to the options menus, uh, new sections for how to play multiplayer. And there's also going to be some fixes that will be implemented as well, including fixes for the leaderboard, server disconnect messages that uh, pop up, intermittent crashing on on saving, uh, the duplication bug, um, frame rate drops, graphical issues with stairs, and a fix for the zombie pig pen. So there you have it. If you are a Minecraft player, be on the lookout for that, and you'll be able to make some changes. To your games and not worry about them getting fucked up. So, there you have it. Let's talk a little bit about MPD stuff to wrap things up. Uh, the MPD Group, via Microsoft, the Xbox 360 sold 160,000 units for the month of May. That's a 45% share of current generation console sales in the United States. May is the 15th consecutive month where the 360 claimed ownership of over 40% of stateside console sales. In addition to that, Uh, Software and sales for May uh, were up $209 million. That's more so for the 360 than the other two current-generation consoles. In other words, anything associated with the 360, including the Kinect controllers, any accessories, $209 million of that um, was was more than the PS3 and the Wii. The only thing that superseded that well that surpassed that excuse me was diablo 3 there you have it so let's get into some of the mpd's top games for the month of may uh number one diablo 3 max Payne was number two ghost recon future soldier was three prototype two was four nba 2k12 was five call of duty modern warfare three was six sniper elite was seven battlefield three was eight Dragon's Dogma was 9, and Just Dance 3 was 10. Obviously, there are no numbers for the units because the MPD no longer releases that. Um, A couple of things you may notice. Modern Warfare 3 is not in the top three anymore. So, it seems that the Modern Warfare is kind of run its course. And Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Future Soldier claims the third spot. So, there you have it, ladies and gents. The MPD numbers for this month are some of it is not surprising especially the 360 doing so well um obviously lollipop chainsaw and a couple of other good games came out this month so we shall see what the mpd numbers for june look like uh later on this month usually probably first week of july if i'm correct uh yeah i guess so third week of may yeah third week of july we'll have some june mpd numbers so that's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week let's get into some movies and tv as well We're going to get into some movies. One quick announcement, Slick's review of Lollipop Chainsaw is live on MyTakeRadio.com. If you want to know if it's worth your hard-earned cash, definitely go check it out, MyTakeRadio.com. You can also find the link on our Facebook fan page as well. My Take Radio's movie segment this week is brought to you by Best Buy. Go to BestBuy.com and pick up all the latest games, movies, and accessories. BestBuy.com is the proud sponsor of My Take Radio's movie segment this week. Also, got to mention another sponsor that's MonoPrice. MonoPrice.com. If you're tired of going to Best Buy and other stores and getting raped for cables, definitely head over to MonoPrice.com, pick up your HDMI cables for all your favorite systems and also your extra HD well, your extra HD cables for your Xbox 360, PS3 if you're going to do any kind of streaming and capturing. Not pay an arm and a leg for them. Monoprice.com is the way to go for that. All right. Let's talk about this first thing, which pretty much is almost confirmed, but not 100%. And it involves a, a, a former TV movie, which was also based off a book. That, my friends, is it. If you were a kid in the 90s and you saw Stephen King's It, on the small screen with the fucking killer clown, you are probably fucked up. And, um... Ah, fucking Quark. Quark. Quark is breaking my balls about Best Buy being a sponsor for the segment. They are. But yes, they do rape you for the cables. They're good for the movies, they're good for the games, but they rape you for the cables. Yeah, I can say that. Monoprice doesn't. That's why they get a plug. <laughs> anyway... Fucking Quark. Quark is in full on troll mode, ladies and gentlemen. His support of Johnny Ace has gone to his head. I've been led to believe that he has been kidnapped and replaced by somebody else, because that's not the Quark I know. But either way, Quark will always be the resident troll of MTR. Breaking my balls while I'm trying to do the live show, dickhead. Anyway, as I was saying, it is coming to the big screen and it's going to be done in two films. Uh, Part of the film is going to take place in the present day, and the other part of the film will be taking place in the past. Obviously, going this route allows for you to do uh, partly what they did in the TV show, but bring it forward a little bit and bring more present day stuff into it. Uh, When I watched it when I was younger, I think that um, it it was very, very well done for a small screen presentation. I think that taking it to the big screen... um, is, is going to be huge uh, right now. Uh, Carrie Fukunaga will be directing and co-writing this particular script for the film. I am very intrigued to see if they could just bring that same level of fear from the small screen to the big screen. Personally, it was. A crowning achievement in terms of horror on television at the time. I mean, you got Supernatural, The Vampire Diaries, you got stuff like that, but it was in a was in a class all its own at the time. I really, really, really liked it, and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that bringing it to the big screen keeps those same elements that freaked us out when we were younger. Simple as that. Now, here's a bit of news that I'm sure Slick is going to want to comment on. Superhero Hype reports that the Teen Titans will be returning to the Cartoon Network with a new series. Uh, The new program is going to be Teen Titans Go! It's going to be a half-hour comedy action series inspired by the original show, and it's going to show quote unquote the humorous side of being a teenage superhero. Simple as that. The cast of the original series will return, including Greg Sipes as Beast Boy, Scott Menville as Robin, Carrie Payton as Cyborg, Tara Strong as Raven, and Hinden Walk as Starfire. So that's gonna be the brand new Teen Titans series. Um I think that going this direction And keeping it more humorous is more so from a marketing standpoint to get that kind of money. It's going to borrow some of the stuff that they use in the Teen Titans shorts. Uh, Slick just mentioned, you know, that super deformed art style. I I think that kids are going to definitely gravitate in that direction. Uh, The series is executive produced by Sam Register, who did the Green Lantern animated series, the Looney Tunes show, and Teen Titans. Plus, it's being produced by Michael Jelenic, who did Thundercats and Batman Brave and the Bold as well as Aaron Horvath, who did Mad and El Tigre. So you can expect that on the Cartoon Network in 2013. Um, Slick has done a great job with the Teen Titans already. Um, If you've read all his work uh, with Young Justice, you'll understand what I'm talking about. He does a great job with that, and I'm sure that when Teen Titans Go drops in 2013, he'll have uh, ample, ample feedback about that as well. Arnold Schwarzenegger has committed to doing a fifth Terminator film as per action effects. Uh, Schwarzenegger commented on the direction of the film saying that he can't say too much. They want it held in secret, if you know what I mean. But I will say that next year I will start filming it, and it's going to be one of the hardest films I've ever done. I can tell you that already for sure. They have six months set aside for filming, so I will be training and getting into the best physical shape I possibly can before filming starts. It does follow Salvation, although some of the producers and franchise owners were not happy about the job McGee did with it. But they felt it was good enough to continue on, and they want the fifth and sixth installments to be closing of to be the closing of that franchise. I think uh, with, with Schwarzenegger doing a fifth Terminator film, look, a lot of people really did not like Terminator Salvation. I I liked the direction it went. There were aspects of the story I didn't like. But I I did appreciate that they acknowledged a lot of the the stories set up by the original Terminator films. I like the fact that Arnold was still involved and that they showed the creation of the unit that was the basis for Arnold's Terminator, the T-800. Could certain things have been done better? Yes. Was Sam Worthington an uncharismatic bore? Absolutely. Was Christian Bale awesome? Yes, he was. But the movie itself did have certain plot points that i really didn't like i like the fact that they had so many different types of terminators the motorcycle terminators and and all these different models and they really dug deep into the mythology the only thing i just don't like that they're doing with it is that they want to do these extra films which i have a feeling involving so many other people is going to kind of blur the waters between uh, the first Terminator film and T2 and the and the establishment of those stories. I understand Schwarzenegger's involvement. It helps set that up and kind of help bring things full circle. But going into a fifth and sixth film and expanding on that universe may fuck up the stories that were already set up in Terminator One and Terminator Two. That's how I see it. I like Salvation. It was it was a cool flick. The the, the visuals were were awesome. It's a great. Test Blu-ray if you got a, a nice home theater and you want a test disc. Salvation has great sound, but I don't know, man. Expanding 5th and 6th? Uh. Well, look, Quark, Quark makes a point. He, 1 and 2 are the only ones that he feels are canon. 1 and 2 tied together. Terminator 3 tied together in in characters only, in Rise of the Machines. Salvation kind of went back to the beginning. And, um, you know, the, the, the shit that fucked up Terminator three was that they kind of, they went all out like, Oh, we're going to do all this crazy shit. We're going to have a female Terminator. That's electric and liquid metal and made out of fucking Tupperware plastic and all this shit, instead of just keeping it the way that it should have been, you know, one cyborg sent to kill one cyborg sent to protect you, you guys, you set up one and two. So perfectly. Then that third one, that Rise of the Machines, Arnold looks super old, Nick Stahl fucking was was complete dog shit. He was awful as John Connor, awful as hell. And then, you know, you go back and you have Nick Stahl, now grown up, played by Christian Bale. What are you going to do? Are you going to get Christian Bale to do the fifth and the sixth ones? Because that's where it needs to go? I mean... You know, he the, the guy gave up his heart so John Connor can live. You got to tell more of that story. At least that's what I hope. Hopefully they don't erase all that shit and add some extra shit to the mix that once again is going to muddy the water. We shall see how it pans out, ladies and gents. In some DC movie news, DC has a lot of movie projects on the table that they plan on bringing to the silver screen. Variety reports that besides the Justice League movie that they're working on, They're also working on the Wonder Woman film. They're getting writers for that. They're also developing movies for The Flash, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Shazam, The Suicide Squad, and Lobo. The Flash and Lobo originally were just rumored to be in development, but they are slowly moving that forward. In addition to that, Variety reports that they do want to do another Green Lantern film, but they're not sure if they want to do a sequel or a reboot. Um... Variety says that the studio is currently deciding if they want to relaunch the character in a completely new way. Or with the reboot maintaining some continuity, but maybe using a different Green Lantern, such as Jon Stewart or Kyle Rayner. It's either that or going back to Hal Jordan or starting over. Here's a couple of things. The Green Lantern movie, the storyline was cool. The effects were okay. The problem is that Ryan Reynolds was he just didn't fit as green lantern green you know ryan reynolds is more flash you know he's more the flash you know the trolling shit-talking superhero than green lantern how jordan's supposed to be a noble fighter pilot who's brash and a little a little crazy that's how you got to do it but i i just felt like ryan reynolds wasn't the guy for that role he wasn't can he have played the Flash? Absolutely. But the problem with Green Lantern is that he his mythology is so deep and he has so many villains that it's very it's very crazy to to try and bring that in into one film. I mean, going with Sinestro and Parallax, you could have just as easily gone with just Sinestro and save Parallax for later. I mean, you tease the end where Sinestro gets the yellow ring and the Sinestro corpse. Spoiler alert for those that haven't seen the movie. Sorry. Um but the fact still remains that you could have done it with Jon Stewart or with Kyle Rayner. You chose to do it with Hal Jordan, and now, personally, I feel that you got to stick with it. Maybe you want to do more with the Green Lantern Corps and then add Jon Stewart or Kyle Rayner into the mix. Maybe we, we got to go in that direction. Maybe you want to add Guy Gardner in there, have a little fun with it. Add, a, add another cocky, insane human into the Green Lantern Corps. You could do that. Slick definitely... Does not want Guy Gardner. <laughs> I like Guy Gardner, man. A lot of people give him a bum rap. He is an awesome Green Lantern. Just because he's a complete psycho. I like that shit. But adding him in there with like Hal Jordan would kinda offset the whole noble aspect of Guy Gardner. Think of think of the Green Lantern movies as Lethal Weapon. Hal Jordan is Murtaugh and Guy Gardner is Riggs. That's that's how I would do it. I really would do it that way and still make it badass, but, um, well, yeah, of course, we could do Jon Stewart, but frankly, Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan together in one movie, dude, I'd fucking fall asleep in five minutes. I would. If Jon Stewart is going to be Green Lantern Slick, and and I'm referring to him because he mentioned it in the chat, if Jon Stewart is going to be in the fucking movie... Then just let it be about Jon Stewart. You can't have him and Hal Jordan in the same movie, dude. It'll be fucking a snooze fest. Guy Gardner at least would make it fun. In terms of the other projects that they want to bring to the silver screen, Aquaman. Look, DC relaunched the new, you know, launched the new 52. Aquaman is an awesome comic book. Aquaman's going to be a bullshit fucking movie. Oh, look, I have a trident. I wear an orange long sleeve t-shirt and green pants. And I live underwater. whoop the fucking do Hey, look, there's a condom floating by my house. Quick! How dare you! Forsooth you throw these condoms in the water. Yeah, Aquaman sounds like Thor. Fuck you. <laughs> no, but seriously. Aquaman is a boring fucking character. The only reason he's awesome now is because they're writing him good in the books. That's it. But, yo translating him to film would suck green arrow what because he's on tv you want to make a movie leave that the fuck alone lobo lobo as a big screen movie would be awesome but it needs to be rated r he needs to fucking kill santa claus fuck a lot of chicks shoot a lot of people That's, that's the Lobo we need to see. Not, you know, not the castrated Wolverine played by Hugh Jackman in X-Men Origins. A violent Punisher style, basically the Punisher in space. That's how you gotta do it. You gotta do it like the last Punisher movie in space, with fucking Lobo killing everything, maybe one or two cameos from some other space DC heroes, and that's it. The Suicide Squad, nobody gives a fuck about them, and Shazam, we already know, was rumored to be done with The Rock playing Black Adam. Which would actually be kinda cool. So we'll see if they go in that direction. I think DC's just, you know, riding the coattails that Marvel brought out with the Avengers. So they figured, oh, let's let's try and bring the Justice League to the silver screen. We shall see what happens, ladies and gents. I wanted to mention this next story for a couple of reasons. Um number one, it's it, it it's it's a it's a sad story I, I gotta share with you guys. And number two, it involves a show which I'm a fan of. Uh, that show is Spartacus. For those of you that know, Spartacus was a show on Stars. Uh, the original lead actor that played Spartacus was Andy Whitfield. Uh, he died from, la- from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and was replace- replaced—excuse me—by Liam McIntyre, who is currently Spartacus in the second season and also in the third one that will be coming out in January. Anyway, Andy Whitfield. Um, created a documentary that is seeking funding through Kickstarter. The documentary is called Be Here Now, and it's taken from a camera crew that actually followed him around during his battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which of course claimed his wife. Uh, Whitfield's manager is trying to get the film funded via Kickstarter. Uh, Oscar-nominated filmmaker uh, Lilibet Foster is directing the film, which is near completion. It needs about $200,000 to be completed, and you can donate via Kickstarter I'm gonna put the link on the Facebook fan page um, once again it, it's it's sad you know it's sad the way it went down with with Andy Whitfield and and just a, such a promising actor such a great talent claimed so quickly he 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 created himself a legion of fans with his work on Spartacus and you know the documentary is it's very sad i've seen parts of it andrea was playing parts of it it's 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 very sad it it really is but at least it shares his story and it's something that would probably help others that have non-hodgkin's lymphoma and it's just a great story that needs to be shared so like i said if you want to donate i'll put the kickstarter link in the facebook fan page and you guys can check that out in some marvel movie news avi arad said that you may see spider-man in the avengers at some point Initially, he said that it would never happen, but things have changed. He uh, recently told Crave Online, everything is possible. If something like that happens, it's great for Disney, it's great for Sony. If the right story comes in, we'll definitely look into it. Right now, we're working on a Venom film, which will be taking place possibly in the Spider-Man universe. Avengers, to me, was an expected, su- uh, was an expected success, and I never looked at it because Avengers was successful. He added, He went on to add... The way to make team-up movies work is to create the raw materials, both technically and creatively. In other movies, first. Creating it in other movies, first. Team-ups can happen once you create the character, establish the CG, otherwise it's not affordable. So there you have it. You may see Spider-Man in The Avengers. That, That works for me. I got no problem with that. Let's talk some box office numbers. Everybody expected Prometheus to be number one. Turns out that was not the case. Madagascar 3 took in 60.4 million dollars in the first in this first weekend. Prometheus took in 50 million. Snow White and the Huntsman took in 23. Men in Black 3 took in 13.5 million dollars. The Avengers was number 5 with 10.8. The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel took in 3.2. What to Expect When You're Expecting was number 7 with 2.7. Battleship was 8. The Dictator was 9 moonrise kingdom was 10 now of course it wouldn't be an episode of mtr it wouldn't be complete without a what the fuck movie news and ladies and gentlemen here it is adam sandler's happy madison production is developing hasbro's tonka toys for a movie ign reports that happy madison and sony pictures animation will be teaming with hasbro to shoot to shoot the film as a motion capture animated movie from the script of fred wolf in addition to this Sony is also making adaptations of Hasbro's Risk and Candyland board games as films. Sony Pictures president, Bob Osher said the following. In its 65 years, Tonka has become more than a toy or a brand, Tonka trucks are a rite of passage for kids all around the world. Time spent with these toys creates memories that last a lifetime as kids are inspired to play using the boundaries of their imagination. We look forward to creating a family-friendly motion picture that brings the Tonka experience to life. I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, a movie based on Tonka trucks, produced by Adam Sandler's company. I, I can't, I can't, I can't even. Ugh, I, if I decide to shit on Adam Sandler, it we're gonna run into overtime for the show. Nobody is going to give a fuck about this. Haven't you learned with Battleship how much this will suck? Look, I had a Tonka truck when I was a kid. Do I want to see a movie about it? No. My fondest memory of the Tonka truck was my mom hitting me upside the head with it because I fucking rolled it over her foot. That's the only Tonka truck memory I have. No, I mean, I have some other ones, too, like rolling it down the stairs because it was heavy as shit and hearing it bang down all the stairs and her yelling at me. Look, I understand that these are properties that you're going to try and get mainstream access to, and that's great. But Tonka Trucks, Candyland, well, Candyland may work if it's done right, but Risk, who gives a fuck about a Risk movie? Once again, did Battleship not teach you anything? Did it? Because seriously, a, a super expensive movie that hasn't even cleared $60 million, hasn't even cleared it yet. And you fuckers want to do this shit? <sighs> no, for for the, uh, to to clarify something, I rolled the truck over my mom's foot. It was a yellow truck that you were able to tip over for the Santa to come out. I rolled it over her foot, and you know it was a metal Tonka truck. She got mad, and I, I she yelled at me, and I, then I rolled it over the foot again. So she took it and she just mushed it upside my head. She didn't um. She didn't, you know, she didn't bash me over the head with it before everybody started talking about, like, child abuse. She just mushed me in the head, like, get the fuck out of here with this giant-ass truck that hit me in the foot twice already. I, I was a schmuck when I was a kid. It happens. We were all badass kids at some point. And if you weren't, you're full of shit. Anyway, moving on. In some RoboCop movie news, Hugh Laurie is set to play the villain in the RoboCop remake. IGN reported that the former house star will play the bad guy in the MGM and Sony reboot. It's unknown right now if he's going to play Dick Jones or a new role. Jose Padilla is directing the film. Gary Oldman and Sam Jackson will also be involved. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Hugh Laurie is either going to be Dick Jones or the old guy that owned OCP. One or the other. Needless to say, I don't know how I feel about a RoboCop remake at this point. I was I actually watched the first RoboCop uh, Monday night, I believe. And... I don't know, man. That movie's just timeless. I'd buy that for a dollar. That shit never gets old. I don't know if they're going to be able to recapture that same magic, but only time will tell. A couple of weeks back, I told you guys that Joss Whedon had cut out a couple of scenes in The Avengers and that he was not going to be releasing a director's cut. Ain't it cool news? Superhero Authority and multiple sites have have stated that it is possible that we may see a director's cut of The Avengers in theaters. It's going to be about 30 to 45 minutes of extra footage right now. The Avengers is close to banking 600 million dollars and the release of the director's cut can add to those box office records right now. The director's cut is rumored to be coming out in August and then they're going to use that as a push for the DVD and Blu-ray release in September. There you have it possible director's cut Avengers in August, so be on the lookout for that last but not least another Another video game destined to come to our box office will be Splinter Cell. Deadline reports that Ubisoft is working on looking for a studio to produce the film based on the franchise. The original first game in 2002 and set in 2004 followed the adventures of covert operative Sam Fisher, part of a top-secret national security agency branch called the Third Echelon. So there you have it. Splinter Cell may be coming to the main, well, to to the mainstream, to the big screen. That's it, ladies and gents. That actually is going to wrap up the show for this week. I did realize that I did not do the opening monologue, so I'll figure out I'll talk about this stuff to close and uh, share a little bit about my blog world experience, and that'll take the show home for this week. As I mentioned last week, we were off air because I attended blog world from June 5th through the 7th. Met a lot of great brands and uh, met a lot of great reps for a lot of great brands, some of which we're already working with, including you say to legit. Um, We're also doing some stuff with tout, like I said, and a couple of other companies as well. Um, Besides that, I also got the opportunity to work with the IAIB and also with the guys from the GFQ network. I actually did an interview with Andrew Zarian from the GFQ network, which is on the fan page and also on my facebook i'm going to post it on the site as well so you guys can check it out super awkward not used to being in front of the camera but it was great working with the iaib um, which for those of you that don't know is the international association of internet broadcasters that was set up as a trade organization to assist in the growth of the internet broadcasting medium there's a lot of great members that are there besides myself that They give each other tips. They help each other improve their video and audio products. And I'm glad to be part of that organization. They've been a great help for the show behind the scenes, just giving me some tips and some guidance to take the show to the next level, which is something I'm working on actively, you know, doing some video stuff very soon, trying to increase our presence on YouTube. Those guys have been a tremendous motivator, so I I was glad to work with them. I also met a lot of people that I'm just a fan of their work, Robert Scoble, um, Callie Lewis, uh, Daniel J Lewis, who does the Audacity to Podcast, Cliff Ravenscraft, um, even Todd Co- Cochran from Raw Voice, who, you know, he's <laughs> that's a story for another day. Um, needless to say, it was a great experience. It did a lot for the show, and you're going to see some of the benefits of my my attending Blog World rolling out in the next couple of weeks. So it was a blast. You can check out the write-up on MyTakeRadio.com for that. You can also check out three days of picture galleries on our Facebook fan page. That's going to wrap it up. Let's get the hell out of here. It's 1.12 in the morning here in New York City, and I need to edit and also put some stuff up on the site and possibly get some sleep. We shall see. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 142 for Thursday, June 14th, 2012. If you're interested in being a guest on MTR or would like to advertise with us, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We are on social media everywhere. Follow us on Twitter at My Take Radio. Become a fan on Facebook. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can also look for us on You Say Too. Ask us questions on Formspring. Also, you can follow our boards on Pinterest. If you want to have MTR to go, you can listen to us on Stitcher uh stitcher.com forward slash my take you can get the stitcher app and listen to my take radio episodes on demand in 96k last but not least you can also get the official my take radio app available for android and ios devices for android you can pick it up in the amazon marketplace it's a dollar ninety nine and for ios devices of course good old itunes you will get access to 96k versions of the show the best audio quality possible you'll also get exclusive wallpapers Access to original content, including MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic interview series. Last but not least, of course, you will get access to some of the video stuff that we will be working on as well, working on in the coming weeks. And that stuff won't be on Stitcher, that'll be app exclusive completely. Like I said, it's $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee from Starbucks, cheaper than a fucking McDonald's Happy Meal. Do yourselves a favor, pick it up if you want to get the full MTR experience. You can also listen to My Take Radio on Block Talk Radio, and it's terrible audio quality. You can also look for us in Zune Marketplace, Blueberry, Miro, and in other podcast outlets. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Taking us out will be another dance by Pulling Punches. You can follow them on Twitter, at Pulling Punches. You can also become a fan of their Facebook fan page. It's Facebook.com forward slash Pulling Punches. I will catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you all for your continued support. We are out of here.
1: That's
0: all, folks.